Well, good morning. Weather forecast for Wednesday is 70 degrees. Seriously, is that not beautiful? We have had a lot of good times in my house. We have four kids. We were able to play lots of games. We've been playing lots of games. My favorite, favorite game happened the other night when we were sitting at the table and we were playing Uno and Dominoes and we were laughing and just like howling. It was really funny. What was really funny is when my son Luke got so tickled at something I had said, I was being goofy. I had said something. He was laughing so hard. He started rocking back and forth like this and Dana looked at him. He was like he couldn't breathe. The breath was going out of him. His face was turning red and he started doing this this and started flailing his arms and Dana got out right up next to him says Luke are you okay and he just went whack and smacked her across the face I kid you not (laughs) in the name of Jesus he slapped his mom right across the face I will tell you this right now that I laughed really hard I wanted to be sympathetic but I just could not I could not believe that he put four fingerprints right there on her left cheek. And she just kept saying, he slapped me, he slapped me, all to the much loud laughter of the rest of the Rice clan. It's very funny, very funny. Hopefully you've had a great time in your house. Hopefully tomorrow we may be able to see some kids go to school. Amen? Amen. All right, and enjoy some weather on Wednesday of 70 degrees. Listen, I wanna ask you a question as we get started. Do you believe that God answers prayer? Absolutely, right? That's an easy, that's a t-ball question. Last week we stood before, Jerry stood before you and we prayed for our missionaries in Spain who were told that their visas, all six of their visas were denied and which means that they possibly would have to leave the country. And we prayed, Jerry prayed right here, Monday morning, 10 o'clock, I'm getting a text message from West, our missionary. I'm seeing the newsletter come out saying, the government called us, which never happens, and said, we are so sorry, we made a mistake, your visas are accepted. That's what I'm talking about. And then last week you brought bags of groceries and you put stuff in these brown bags sponsored by our women's ministry and you, you put the bags outside and we brought them to With Love From Jesus and a, a, a ministry that we partnered with that helps people that are in need. Well, they were praying because they were low on canned goods. They were praying, where in the world are these canned goods gonna come from? And Monday morning they show up and there is all kinds of food that we were able to donate to be an answer to their prayer. And do you believe that God answers prayer? Yes, he does. And in my own life personally, and I'm sure you have your own stories too, of the disciplines in the faith, I fight to remember the importance of prayer. And you can see down here that the table has been set for us to remember what Jesus did for us. But before we get there, I want to be able to talk about the importance of remembering the importance of us coming together as a body, lifting our voices to God and calling on him through the discipline of prayer. In, in my own life, in, in 2000, um, early 2000, Dan and I were told that we did, they didn't understand why, but they just said, you're not going to be able to have kids. And that was in 2000. That, it's unexplained. We're not sure exactly why, but you're just not going to be able to have kids. And, and then we went out looking for a car because we needed a car. And of course, we could have got, it was just the two of us. We could have gotten a sedan or something like that. And um, we bought a Tahoe. And here's why. 
my wife said, I want to pray and I want to ask God to fill it with kids. And I want it to be a memory that God answers prayers. And in his beautiful, beautiful sovereignty in 2001 of getting a car, man, 2003, 2004, 2006, and 2007, we had kids and we got this Tahoe that's filled with kids because there was a God in heaven who answers prayer. And I simply don't want us to just run to the table, thank you Jesus for dying for me and thank you Jesus for giving your body for me without remembering this morning this beautiful, beautiful discipline of his people calling on his name for the glory of his name and for the fame of his name. And, and so I want to invite you before we get to the table, I want to invite you to turn to Acts because I think in, in Acts chapter four, because I believe in Acts chapter four, we can take a look at the early church and we can see some great disciplines of the early church. We can see some great disciplines there. Um, Give you a little background of what's going on in Acts chapter four. The early church had been started. Brian said last week we talked about the, the statements of an irresistible influencing church. And we had those eight or nine statements that we had. They were teaching and fellowship and praying. But, but let's take a look specifically this morning before we come to take the elements of the table of a praying church and what that, take, what that looks like. I'm going to give you a little background in chapter four as we get started here, as we go through the text. In Acts chapter four, Peter and John are preaching. If you take a look at verse 12 in Acts chapter four, this is really what they were saying. They were going around teaching this message, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And here are two representatives of the early followers, just Christ followers, the early church, and this is the message that they were saying. Well, then some people did not like what was going on. They were arrested and brought before the Jewish council of 70 called the Sanhedrin. They were brought up before them. They were tried. They were trying to figure out what they could charge them with. And in, um, in, in Acts chapter four, verses, verse 18, I want you to take a look at what they said there in verse 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And I love their response here. In verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. Verse 20, here it comes. For we cannot speak of what we have seen and heard. I believe what is predicated in our proclamation must be a dedication to prayer. I believe that the, the value and the response and the impact of their witness was basically designed, was basically predicated by a dedication of prayer. And I see we see that and how they retreated back to the early church and what they did. So I want you to go ahead and take a look at three things we're going to see through, verses 20, through, through verse 24. I'm going to start in 23. So Peter and John, what do they do? They come back to the early gathering of the believers and this is what they say. This is what they tell them. When they were released, they went to the friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had to say to them. Verse 24. And when they heard, they lifted their voices together to God. I want to stop right there and I want to make sure that we see the pronoun there is in the verb is that when they heard, they lifted their voices 
See, the first thing that we see is the importance of our voices coming before a holy God. I would admit to you right now, as one of the pastors here at Northwest Community Church, that looking at my Tahoe, as we're getting ready, we were thinking about selling that Tahoe. And my wife said with tears in her eyes, I can't sell that machine, that gas guzzling machine that has 220,000 miles on it. I can't sell it because it is a constant reminder to me that God answers our prayer, that he gave us kids when we asked him to do that. And when I take a look at the early church that is praying together, lifting their voices up in one accord, together in unison. And, and as I sit here and I start thinking about my own life and how, Matt, are you specifically leading the way at your church and making sure that Northwest Community Church is a praying church that is calling out the name of God in unison, together, lifting up our voices to see Northwest Cary and the world one for Jesus? And I didn't really like the answer. And God in his sovereignty gave me not only a Tahoe, but he gave me four kids to be a constant reminder of that. And I come before you right now as I get ready to lead you in taking up of the elements of the bread and the juice and say, I want to serve at a church where we are pestering and pleading and begging God consistently, fervently, no matter who comes or how many people are there, that we beg and we plead a sovereign God of the world to do something radical and supernatural in our midst. That's what I want to be about. And I think what happens is it happens with us individually and then it is played out to us corporately. I'm so encouraged. Uh, Brian asked us to listen to a sermon that he had heard. When I say us, he asked the staff and he passed it on to the elders. And it was a, a message that was preached by a guy as a pastor in Las Vegas. And I, he asked me to listen to it like three weeks ago. And I have to confess to you, I listened to it yesterday. So I just have to let that, let that out. And I'm telling you, I, Luke asked me, dad, what's wrong? What's wrong? I was weeping. Tears are just struggling down my face to hear this man preach about what it means to be a church that is committed to the beautiful discipline of prayer and what can take place. And by God's grace, I want to serve and I want to lead in a way that has you and I lifting our voices in the confidence of the sovereign one to see some awesome things take place, not just the purchase of land, but the salvation of many, the restoration of marriages, the kids coming to faith in Jesus before they're in the fifth grade, people sent out in missions all over the world because we're a people that's gathered together, lifting up our voices, and we haven't forgotten how important that is. Um, so one of our elders listened to the sermon as, as well as I did and just sent an email out, I think Friday night or early Saturday, and just said, you know, I'm a little concerned over how we are praying as a corporate body. And he said, so in response to that, I, I want to gather 
I want to be praying while the service is going on. So I'm going to go to the first service and I'm going to pray during the second service. And right after that, no, a couple minutes later, there was another elder that said, hey, listen, while I am going to go to the second service, I'm going to pray during the first service out here on the other part of the building so that get the name of Jesus would go forth and God's spirit would move in a way that we can see him just captivate the hearts of his people and do what he wants to do. And I'm overwhelmed and I'm encouraged by sitting there and hearing the response of some of our leadership team of saying, we desire to corporately and consistently see and hear our voices lifted up to a holy God. And that's what we want to be about. I see the text says that I'm so encouraged by some of our elders and leadership. And not, not only that, I love who they're praying to. Look at verse 24. Remember, it's when they heard, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. That means he made everything, even the snakes, even the spiders, even, I mean, everything. God made everything. And here they are at a crossroads. They come and they're being told, you can't do that. We're teaching about Jesus. We're preaching Jesus. They're gathering together. They lift their voices up in one accord and they lift it to the sovereign God. Now here's what I'm thinking. If I'm sitting here going and I'm doing the right thing, then God, you're going to make a way for this to happen. And what God does in, their, in, in, in his sovereignty is they come back to him not to make excuses, not to get upset, not to go, why God, why God? They come to him and they proclaim that he is sovereign and absolutely in control. That blows me away. That is a great reminder to you and it's a great reminder to me to see that the, the foundation of their prayer, the confidence of their prayer was in a God who could accomplish and can accomplish absolutely anything. There's some verses I want to read to you right now. Psalm 115.3 says, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Proverbs 16.9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his step. Genesis 50, 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And Romans 8, 28, which some of you have by memory, and we know that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. I'm not sure how to wrestle God's sovereignty in our prayers together. The pastor who I listened to in this sermon made a statement that just really rocked me. He says this, God in his sovereignty has chosen to limit his activity to the prayers of his people. He said, how is that? I don't know. But God is completely sovereign and God is completely encouraging and teaching and modeling to you and modeling to me what a dedicated prayer looks like here in the early church. And I say, Northwest, let's be a church that is unified in our call on a sovereign God of the universe and let our confidence be rooted in the one and the only one that can answer, that can heal, that can restore, that can save, that can redeem. I think what I love is I love the, the last thing I want you to see is that we, we see the maturity of the request. I love the maturity in, in the request. Basically, what does, he, what does he ask for? I want you to see this in, uh, in verse 29. Take a look at verse 29. 
And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of the holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I love their maturity. They came together in one accord, lifting their voices to a sovereign God who can do anything. And here in the midst of this struggle, here in the midst of them saying, you can't do this, they gathered together and they said, we're not asking to escape this. We're not asking you to just get rid of them. We're asking you to give us boldness to make a difference. And I would even go out to say this, that you sitting in here today are, who know Jesus, have accepted Jesus, can I believe, can possibly trace it back to this prayer of boldness, of unity, and calling on a sovereign God of the universe. Because the name of Jesus went out. Why and how? Because of a prayer. Because of a prayer. Because of a group of people that were committed to calling out on a sovereign God who can do anything and is not limited by anything. I think it's a great reminder that as we come and we take of this table, we take and we see that God has desired to communicate with us and does not want us to forget surely the blood that he shed for us and the body that he gave for us, but certainly doesn't want us to get too far past the importance, the confidence that we have as a unified body of believers to call on Jesus. And I can think of no better way to go into the table. It's just, I just wanna lead us in just a time of lifting our voices up to God right now as we transition to taking of the elements.